Our scripture reading this morning will come from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Now, the second chapter of Luke is probably, maybe besides the Lord is my shepherd and the Lord's prayer, it's probably um, the most known uh, passages in all of scripture. It's it's the one you remember from uh, Charlie Brown's uh, Christmas special, right? Where Linus gets up and and tells Charlie Brown what Christmas is all about. And uh, I've always thought it's a shame that um, such a beautiful passage of scripture and we always, you know, um, it, 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 it we read it sort of once um, uh, on Christmas Eve and sort of blink if you miss it. And so what I'd like to do for the next four Sundays in Advent is we're just going to take it a couple verses at a time. And so uh, we'll read one through five this morning and you may even uh, uh, wish I would keep going, but each Sunday we're going to add to it. And so we'll finally get, uh, we'll finally get to all, uh, all 20 verses by, by the end of Advent. So um, Luke, the second chapter, verses 1 through 5. Hear now the word of our Lord. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So stop me if you've heard this one before. In the first century, there was a charismatic rabbi from Galilee. And he began uh, gathering followers from the fishing villages all along the Sea of Galilee. And those followers came to believe that he was the long-promised Messiah. This man's ministry ended in crucifixion. But after his death, his movement continued to spread. The year was 6 AD, and the man in question was a man named Judas the Galilean. See, uh, these events happened uh, during uh, uh, during the second uh, uh, census when Quirinius was governor in Syria. A man uh, 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 who had a reputation for uh, being able to uh, to to collect taxes and uh, and and get uh, people to uh, to 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 pay up. This is one someone that you you sent into a place uh, when you felt like they weren't pulling their fair share, and 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 he would get people in order. So Quirinius is governor in Syria, and he begins to collect the taxes. And one of the first things you do when you're going to collect taxes is you take a census. You count people so you know uh, who you've got and what they've got, and you can start 
collecting taxes. Well, uh, during the second uh, census, when Quirinius was governor in Syria, there was a man named Jugas, who was a Galilean. And he began, uh, he began teaching and preaching uh, that it uh, was against God's law to pay your taxes. He said, uh, he, he, he told his followers that, uh, that they had no master but God. And to pay anything, any kind of tax to Caesar was, was basically idolatry. And, uh, and so he went around the countryside telling people, don't pay the tax, don't participate in the census, don't go get counted. And when people did obey the law, when they did, uh, when they, uh, did uh, be counted in the census, um, uh, uh, Judas and his followers uh, would burn their fields and burn down their barns to punish them for giving in to the Romans. Now, this, uh, this peasant uprising, this movement um, uh, ended in crucifixion. Judas was killed and his two sons were crucified. But it was the birth of a movement. These people called themselves the Zealots. And, 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 and the zealots uh, uh, believe that, uh, uh, that, that, that you shouldn't pay taxes, you shouldn't do anything uh, that, that the Romans ask you to do because you, you have one Lord alone, and that's God. And, uh, and, 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 and the zealots, uh, their movement uh, went on to, uh, to, to, to spark the Jewish-Roman War. And in 70 AD, the Jewish-Roman War um, ended with the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. But it all began with the census when Quirinius was governor in Syria. I told this story uh, because, because I, I want you to understand that uh, when Luke's first readers heard about the census when Quirinius was governor in Syria, at the opening of our Christmas story, they would have been reminded of these dark, uncertain times. Now, the census that we're talking about this morning was the first census. It was the beginning of everything. It was the eve of all of this social unrest. The rebellion would take place 14 years later when Jesus was a teenager during the second census. Luke is writing his gospel in 85 AD. And that means for him, um, uh, the destruction of the temple would have been closer to his readers than the destruction of the, ten, the twin towers are to us. It would have been fresh on their minds. And when they read that, uh, that, 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 that the birth of Jesus came about, during that first census when, when, when Quirinius was governor in Syria, all of these memories would have come flooding back of a dark, uncertain time. See, so it was uncertain economically. Once, uh, once, uh, once the Romans began taxing uh, the, the people heavily in the northern Galilee, they had to struggle to make ends meet. 
because it was already hard enough to catch enough fish to sell, to feed your family, or to grow enough crops. And now here came the Roman soldiers taking their share off the top. It was an uncertain time religiously. It was a time when the culture was changing fast and, and, and it seemed like, uh, seemed like their kids didn't know Hebrew anymore and they were all adopting these Greek and Roman ways and they, 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 they felt like their, 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 their culture was, was leaving them. And there were all these different religious factions that were trying to deal with this problem in different ways. And the people felt divided. And there began to, uh, to, 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 there began to uh, be this, this sense of this is the worst things have ever been. And this sense of, uh, of, of end times fatalism began to take hold. The people in Jesus' day began to believe that they were living in the end times. That, uh, that, 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 that time when, 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 when the Messiah was, was going to show up in the heavens with this sword in hand and, 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 and end history and, and, begin a, uh, and, and begin a new chapter, a new messianic age, they began to believe that it was right around the corner because they looked around and things seemed as dark as they had ever been. So they would say to one another, surely we're living in the end times, right before the messianic age. See, Jesus was not born into a vacuum. He wasn't born um, once upon a time or a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Jesus was born into human history at a specific moment when Quirinius was governor in Syria. That specific moment was, was the beginning of when it all started to go wrong. It, it was the beginning of, uh, it was the eve of their despair. But it was also the eve of hope. Because God was doing a new thing. Remember, there's a young teenage girl. She's sweeping the house one day, and an angel shows up. And the angel says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Remember, Mary's greatly troubled. She says to herself, uh, uh, What kind of greeting might this be? But the angel says, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary says, how will this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. For no word from God will ever fail. And Mary's response to all of this, all of this, uh, the, this news coming right at her, is, I am the Lord's servant. 
May it be unto me as you have said. See, on the eve of despair, Mary chooses hope. She chooses to believe in God's promise. She chooses to trust in God's goodness. Mary and Joseph do. Mary has a lot to be uncertain of, doesn't she? She doesn't know how everything's going to turn out. She doesn't know what her parents' reaction is going to be to all of this. She doesn't know what her community is going to say about her when they, when they see her walking in the marketplace. She doesn't know um, uh, what her husband-to-be is going to think of all this, whether she's going to believe him. But she holds on to that promise. The angel says, do not be afraid. No word from God will fail. She chooses to believe that God's word is sure. She carries the hope of humanity in her swollen belly and goes to a place called Bethlehem. Joseph chooses to believe too. He's got a lot to be uncertain of, doesn't he? No, just, you know, the normal teenage boy stuff. Just found out his girlfriend's pregnant, and then ready or not, here it comes. And he, he's got to get his life in order, and he's got to get ready, and he's got to get mentally prepared to be responsible for another human being, let alone the Son of God. There's all that normal stuff, and then there's just the voice in the back of his head. Is she telling the truth? Can she be trusted? But an angel comes to him in a dream and says, Joseph, do not be afraid. This child is from the Holy Spirit. And he will save his people from their sins. And Joseph chooses to believe that. He chooses to believe and hope. Israel itself was in a time of uncertainty. Bethlehem was in a time of uncertainty during that first census. No one knew what was going to happen next, what being counted was going to mean for their lives. But they could have remembered a promise made to Bethlehem and to all of Israel. It's found in the fifth chapter of Micah. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God and they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach out to the ends of the earth and he will be our peace. It was a time of uncertainty when Quirinius was governor in Syria. But two teenagers chose hope and it changed the world. We too live in a time of uncertainty, don't we? We too understand what it is to, 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 to need hope in a time where, where nothing can be taken for granted. In a lot of ways, we, think we uh, 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 face some of the same uh, 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 social uh, uh, pressures that uh, Jews of the first century did. 
a sense of maybe that our, uh, our, our religious heritage is sort of getting away from us. That, uh, that our children don't take uh, uh, our culture and our traditions as seriously as we do. And we begin to wonder what's going to become of us as a people. We've also got those economic worries, don't we? The very real questions of, of, of whether there's going to be enough workers for all of our businesses, whether, uh, whether uh, the things we need are going to be on the shelf, whether we're going to even be able to afford those things because of growing inflation. And then, I don't know about you all, but I uh, read the words Omicron variant for the first time in the newspapers this weekend. It's Africa, Europe, it's a new variant starting to spread. I don't know what that's going to mean for us. We face uncertain times yet again. And we need to have hope. We need to believe. And we can have hope because of what happens next. See, there's a twist in the plot. Caesar and Quirinius get one verse apiece. The rest of the story is devoted to what happens that night in Bethlehem. What's going on with this person called Jesus, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger? Because you see, in Jesus, God keeps his promise to Mary and Joseph. He keeps his promise to Bethlehem and to Israel. He keeps his promise to humanity. Humanity and divinity are joined in the person of Jesus. We receive our Emmanuel, God with us. See, there was a thunderstorm one night, and, uh, and, and, and a four-year-old daughter uh, uh, just keeps running into her parents' room every time she hears the boom and the clap of lightning and, and, and says, I'm scared, I'm scared. Finally, the third time, Dad says, says just go to bed, honey. Just go to bed. Pray, God will take care of you. Little girl tugs on her dad's hand and says, I know God will take care of me, but I need someone with skin on. I need someone with skin on. This is the good news of Emmanuel, God with us, that you and I have someone with skin on. That God tabernacled among us, as the Gospel of John says, that, that, that God dwelt in flesh with us. So you and I have a God that understands. We have a God that's, that, that's been through economic uncertainty, just felt the pinch when he's walked through the marketplace and wondered if he was going to be able to, to afford bread. We have a God that's been through all the ups and downs and seen the political turbulence. Who watched what was happening out in the countryside as Judas the Galilean was running through. 
But not only that, not only does he understand what he gives to being uncertain times, he walks with us. There is nowhere on this earth that a Christian can walk alone. Jesus is always with us, always guiding us, always holding us up. And because of what happened that night in Bethlehem, we also know that God will triumph. As that little baby grew into a boy and that boy grew into a man and that man walked this earth with us and then he was crucified on the cross. But unlike with Judas the Galilean, that wasn't the end of the story. Because three days later, he rose again. He destroyed sin and death forever. And there is nothing that you and I can go through in the days ahead that God has not already declared victory over. There is nothing you and I can go through in the days ahead that God does not already have a plan for. We can walk this earth with our heads held up high because of what happened in Bethlehem. Because God kept his promises, we know he will keep his promises and we can stand in hope. Rabbi Hugo Grin talks about being a little boy at a concentration camp in Auschwitz. He said they didn't have much food. The Germans just fed them enough to, that, you know, they, uh, they, that, that they had enough energy to do their work. So sometimes they would go weeks without food. He described being a little boy and uh, in there in the bunker, um, his dad, uh, who, who had been a rabbi in a past life, uh, 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 was celebrating Hanukkah with, with all, of the other, uh, all of the other Jews there in the bunker. And they had this little menorah, and they had no oil for the menorah. And so, uh, and so his dad took the last of the margarine to use as oil for the menorah. And little Hugo looked up at his dad and said, why did you use the last of our margarine? And his dad said, we have learned that we can make it three weeks without food. But we won't make it three seconds without hope. You and I live in uncertain times. And we're not going to make it three seconds without hope. But there's good news. And the darkness through has shown a great light. You and I can stand in hope because of what happened that night in Bethlehem. Because of what God did, because of how he kept his promises to all of us during the first census when Quirinius was governor in Syria. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.